We will. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and growing, so among yourselves, from the day you heard and understood the grace of God in truth, as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Anything on this? It's, it's a, one of Paul's typical ways of starting letters, mentioning people talking about it's sort of like he's trying to knit together all his various epistles by some of his comments in this letter he he reminds them of past understandings and and messages that he's written the true gospel message usually uh, Paul in the introduction here when he's giving his thanksgivings, he's kind of like putting the key ideas into a nutshell mm-hmm. of what he's going to be expounding upon uh, in his letter. And I think it's also significant here that he notes that it's actually Epaphras who has founded the church at Colossae. It's not Paul. So he's not writing to his own personal converts. And so that always, you know, not makes it difficult, but, you know, in the other letters he says, you know, I'm a father to you, I'm a mother to you, and, and follow me. And, and and in the letters where he doesn't found them, he, he's just, he's trying to establish this relationship, but it's uh, it's slightly different. Uh, so we're going to see that in this letter. Mm-hmm. I always love how he's very encouraging and just really focuses on and he, he always tries to elevate the other person, even though he's mm-hmm. an apostle and they're not. He says, fellow slave, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just exactly what he means by that, I'm not sure, except that he probably means a slave of, of Christ, mm-hmm. since that's often how he uses that term. Which does he doesn't elevate himself, you know, it's like no. we're in this together, the co-travelers, right. you know, in this journey of... exactly of spirituality and getting to know God more and how that can transform us. Yeah. I think one of the persons I, I know that seemed to exemplify that uh, so well was Lou Venden. He was a uh, pastor of the PUC church for a few years. And before that, when I was getting my master's at Loma Linda, he was my pastor at the Loma Linda University Church. And I remember him, he hated hierarchy. He was very opposed to it. And I remember him saying that a sermon is one beggar telling another where to find bread. That's how he talked about that. Right. Okay, why don't we move on to the next paragraph. And this one is verses 9 to 14. So, uh, Katrina, would you read that, please? For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, 
to all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is similar to his prayer in Ephesians. Ephesians stresses more the love of God, and it's a little shorter than this prayer, but it, it has that same style of what Paul is praying for. I just love all the, I mean, to me it's so encouraging to hear stuff like you ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. I mean, those are things that mm-hmm. I need, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and like, and, and it just, it, it just really encourages me to like know that God is the one who is filled with wisdom and understanding, and and we can experience that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and like growing as you learn to know God better and better, and producing good fruit, and strengthened with His glorious power, so you'll have endurance and patience. I mean, those are all the things that I need like every single day. Like it's mm-hmm. so practical and so like real. Like mm-hmm. God, this is what I need right now. Mm-hmm. And um. So yeah, it's just super encouraging to know that to be reminded, basically. So always come like like a foundation of just always coming back to that. So I have a question, and it has a story behind it. How do you know when you're getting wisdom from God, or you're just (laughs) giving your own wisdom? And and the story behind it is, I um, mentioned to someone on campus that I was retiring early. And, oh, no, I, I communicated with someone on campus about a student. And the person responded by saying, I hear you're retiring. Are, does that mean congratulations are in order? And um, so I began explaining to her how I had made the decision to retire, and it involved God speaking to me. And um, she said, how do you know God was speaking to you? I think one way that I discern that has to do with, like, when I talk to my husband about different things that I need to, like, figure out, if at the end of the conversation I feel less burdened or it's not a burden or, like, I feel like, oh, okay, that's that works for me. Like, because God isn't a God of burden. Like, he says, my yoke is easy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, that conversation was... Spirit filled, so that I don't feel the burden mm-hmm. of having either to figure it out, or we did kind of figure it out in some way, or it gave an explanation to to whatever the the issue was. That like, oh, okay, I can like let that go, or oh, okay, let's just continue living now. Like I don't have to stay stuck on it. And so, I think that's a form of understanding and wisdom to work through things that. Is God filled? Because if I'm more burdened at the end or, or whatever, then 
Well, then you haven't seen the light. Then you haven't seen the light. Yeah. 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 So I've heard other people express it as uh, making a decision, having peace about it. Yes. I did that one time. I made a decision, and I had peace, and God intercepted that decision and said, no. (laughs) Uh And and, um, it's very personal, so I can't tell you the details, but that's one way I know that God is talking to me is if I make a decision he doesn't want, he usually shows up and makes it very clear that it's not that decision at all. Even though you had peace afterwards. Even though I had peace afterwards. So peace as alone is not the only factor, but I think it is a factor many times. Mm -hmm. And and I think this is a very individual matter, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I do. I I think that it varies from person to person. For me, when God gives me an impression of something, he's usually very succinct and very clear. And in my case, it was a, this was this thing about retirement wasn't about sitting in my lazy chair and, and chilling out. It was about something specific that he wanted me to do. And it made sense with everything. I, I was deeply frustrated because I couldn't do this thing because teaching took everything from me. Mm. And, and I was just in my parents, you know, situation and everything. I had no time to do it. And, and I was deeply, deeply frustrated, and that frustration was building and building and building till I was almost at the screaming point. <laughs> it's just, I have to do this, and I can't. And, and I know now that that was God preparing me for something that I would not have chosen as the way out. Uh, anybody else on how God makes his will known? Well, one thing that kind of, I think, sometimes, I think it's a false idea, something that, that at every decision point, there's one right and wrong, one wrong answer. Uh, and we better make sure we get the right one. Um, I think in many decision points, it's just there are two different options. And there are plus and minuses to this one. There are pluses and minuses to this one. And that, that we have, you know, that God has given us, you know, an ability to evaluate things and to look and say, okay, this is where I think I want to go. And that then he'll work with whichever way we end up going. And now there are some things where there truly is a, a right and a wrong way to go. But I think in a lot of things, we've turned it into this kind of a, a false yes, no kind of situation. But like you said, Gene, one of the things is when I've come to these things where I don't see any clear leading one way or the other, then I'll say, okay, God, I've gone through it. I think this is the best option. But if you'd rather I go the other way, I'm starting down this road, but stop me. But uh, as far as how to hear God's voice, I mean, part of it has to do with just—it's recognizing a voice you do, or a, it, it, it's not even usually a voice, but just. Uh, um, patience <laughs> is, is that it, it's it's more difficult when it's the first time but that over time if you if when you hear and you listen it becomes more and more I just like you know that there are some people when I answer the phone and I hear their voice I immediately know who it is they don't have to say who it is 
just because I recognize the voice, the, the cadence, the, the word structure, that type of thing. And that, and so that the, the more you listen and, and follow God, the more you recognize that, okay, that was, okay, that was God talking. Um, anyway, what Katrina was mentioning was just like, a couple weeks ago, we had, uh, there were a couple things that she was wanting me to pick up, and there's a particular type of, uh, of toilet paper that, that she specifically uh, likes because it doesn't have the, the chlorine bleach uh, in it. And, uh, but we, I'd been looking around, I hadn't been uh, finding toilet paper anywhere. Uh, and I'd um, gone to about four or five different places down in Napa. Uh, everybody was out. Anyway, and as I was heading home, there was one other thing I was looking for that had to do for, for painting supplies. Um, and uh, as I was heading home, I got this just this this thought that came to my mind saying, you need to stop at Steve's Hardware uh, to look for this painting thing. And, and well, but, the, but it's Ace Hardware. It's the same as the one here in Calistoga. I already went to the one in Calistoga. They don't carry that. Why would Steve's, which is the same chain, have it when they don't? And so, but it just said, no, stop. And so I said, okay. So I'll, you know, I, uh, so I pulled, I stopped and I went in and they didn't have the painting thing, but they had toilet paper. And, and, not, and, and not only that, but it was the unbleached chlorine sort of thing that nobody else, uh, you know, had, couldn't even order it online. Um, and they, and they had like eight packets of it and there was one per, you know, per person, and so I, I bought one, and anyway, and then I went back by on my way into work the next morning, I stopped to see if they still had something, I could get one more, and they were completely sold out, but anyway, so, in, you know, in that situation, it wasn't a voice, but it was just this thing, this saying, you need to do this, yeah. and um, it's, it's an impression, what I call an impression, it's just a little thing, and it was something that, uh, it was, in times past, when the similar type things have happened, when I've done it, I've been happy. When I when I haven't, then afterwards, I recognize that that had been a mistake. And so, and so because that prompting fit the same profile as the ones before, it was like this is okay. This is the same voice. Uh-huh. And I guess the, yeah. the the one other thing in all of this as far as being able to tell is that you know when it's coming from God it's it, it's always something that's beneficial that is mm-hmm. useful that is uplifting in, mm-hmm. in, um, empowering or um, you know uplifting in, in some way or another as opposed to uh, and even when it's saying you messed up it, it's not saying you're a horrible person, you're you're going to hell right. because you did this, that's not God's voice. Right. There's another voice that says that. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but that is clearly not uh, coming from God. And that it's always redemptive, even yes. when it's exactly. saying, you know, that you shouldn't have done that. You know, um, <clears throat> when I was, when after my conversion experience when I was 14, I really lived my life the way, most most ways the way I thought God wanted me to in, in the way that I thought was best. And I didn't really consult God, and I didn't really ask Him for guidance. 
And then when I decided not to do theology and to do journalism instead and came to PUC with that, he let me go for about a year. And then when it became my sophomore year, he uh, really got in my face and said, theology is what I want you to do. And that's when I became very aware of interactions with God and and a, a very strong sequence of events that led to his calling me to be a theologian. And so consequently, I have never been in a situation where I had more than one option available. <laughs> and I know other people do have those situations, but I, I seem to be uh, a little more in a, in a straight line um, where God wants me to be. In fact, I, I was going to write a different book two summers ago. I had it all planned out. I was going to write it. I had been writing it. It was uh, nearly, the rough draft was nearly done. And I got intercepted by a very strong impression that I should write the book I'm now writing. Or I shouldn't say I'm writing. I haven't written it yet. But uh, that I should should do this other book. And uh, I was like, uh, whoa, okay. <laughs> and I, that has been consistent. There's been no deviation from it. You know, I. so that's kind of been my journey. But, but I recognize there's a lot more latitude out there with some anything else in although as, as a woman in theology and certainly within the Adventist church having one option to go down is <laughs> <laughs> that's true a pretty big deal <laughs> yeah uh, that's true um i've often wondered why god not only called me but actually anointed me for that which was pretty dramatic um i've i've never understood why he um, he didn't just call me, but he went through this process. And the only thing I could think of is because I've had a lot of detours. <laughs> Maybe not a lot, but I've had one specific detour where I worked in the records office for eight years uh, instead of in theology. And it was a pretty depressing time because I wanted to be in the, the religion department. And so having that, as my background was reassuring that God still had a plan for my life. Anything else from this passage? I guess the part that can be a little frustrating for me is the whole thing when you said about how do you know God's wisdom and that sort of thing, is that sometimes I have like a real ant question at this moment in time that I need specific direction and not feeling like I'm getting it right then and there and like this whole thing of having to live out your life and maybe the understanding of it will come later it's like but I needed it right then (laughs) or you know so that can be a little um I'm not sure if I'm still needing to learn to listen, that he does give direction right then and there. Like, because Jesus always said about how he would go off to a small, you know, to know how to live out his life that day to get direction from the Father Mm -hmm. as to, was he going to heal anybody that day or not, you know. And so I would love to get learn that 
how Jesus lived his but life. Jesus, Jesus had to pray a long time, usually. A long time. So I, I find that a little... Uh, okay, how does that apply to me today? Because I kind of feel like Jesus only had one role. And I have, like, role of mother and wife, and I'm a worker, you know. You know, we all have lots of roles nowadays, you know, our profession and just all these things. And it's like, hmm, how does this apply to me to be able to learn? It's like, yeah, I spend my time in the morning, but, you know, I can't be spending all night and hours because I won't function with my other roles. <laughs> you know, so, so kind of figuring that out. Um, is. I don't know if this helps at all, Susan, so so don't listen in, in the sense that I'm trying to tell you what to think about. I just This is my own experience. Sometimes when I'm pretty frantic for something and I ask, I get nothing. Mm-hmm. And he waits until I'm calm mm-hmm. and I'm not particularly troubled by it. Mm-hmm. And then the answer comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's the lesson in that, that he's wanting that, to... That he can't, he literally can't access our brains in the way that he needs uh, to. A stressed out mind. Because we're stressed out. Yeah. I guess part of that here, in it, he says, uh, when he asks for us uh, to, where is it? May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father. So when you're in those situations, to have the patience to know that, uh, okay, it's coming and I can wait, and the endurance to wait until it comes, and mm-hmm. to be able to thank God for it even before it comes. Yes. Yeah. I guess that's what we call the faith walk, and the faith journey. Yeah. I went to a broken engagement, and it's, it took me about a year to really get over that um, situation because it also happened in some tragic family circumstances as well. And I got hold of this book. I don't know where I got it. If I, I bought it somewhere, obviously, I, I, I can't remember. But it dramatically changed my view even though it didn't fix my heart, do you know what I mean? Um, and it was called God Works the Night Shift. I don't know if you've heard of that book, but it's written back in the 90s and it, it's full of stories and anecdotes. And But basically, I mean, each chapter he talks about how while we're, you know, carrying on with the circumstances of our lives and we're asking God for direction and we're, we're doing all these things, uh, God has, uh, is working the night shift, right? He's working overtime to set things up for us in ways that we just can't even see. So sometimes it takes just pouring yourself out to him, you know, Ages for God to bring about all of those things, and I had to make some enormous decisions. Then I ended up leaving law school. I switched to theology. Then I, the next year, I moved back to Melbourne, and I worked for a year. I'm still asking God, uh, and then I ended up moving to America. So 
going through that broken engagement was the first step in undoing or a, a whole series of painful steps that I had to take. Um, but even though I had to take all those painful steps, you know, it ended up leading me to America and, and to this man. And so that took several years to happen. Um, I don't know, for me, that was one of my most dramatic examples. But, uh, you know, there was another time when during that year when I was sitting uh, in my car, my old Volvo outside my parents' home, and it was a really windy, windy night. And the gum trees, these enormous gum trees, was like, you're going in the breeze like this. And and <clears throat> I'd just come back from uh, being at a prayer meeting, a religious meeting, and I just sat there in my car and I, I was like, uh, saying, God, I just don't know what you want me to do, but I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do if you just show me. And uh, I, I said that, and immediately this word popped into my head. And you know what that word was? What? And Tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs> that word was Andrews. And I didn't even know it was an um I didn't know it was an Adventist school. I just knew nothing about it. But I came to California and I couldn't figure out why God kept directing me to California. And then when I got here, I kept fighting it. I kept trying to go to Andrews. But I feel like God put that in my mind because then it was another series of steps, coming to California, doing my Masters at Fuller, and then it was another seven or eight years before I actually even got to Andrews. Like, oh, if only I could go to Andrews, you know, and I just put up in my mind and, uh, you know, discovered... Anyway, I don't want to tell my, my life story for you with my life story, but, um, you know, God has spoken to me very quickly and dramatically, uh, but there's also been very long periods of what felt like silence um, mm -hmm. where I had to deal with grief and hurt and pain and work through all of that and just keep believing, just keep mm -hmm. trusting uh, and not giving up. And it's those through those long times of of feeling like, where are you, God? That that now I know I can just trust Him. Mm -hmm. I can just trust Him. That book, uh, the God works the night shift. That that reminded me. There was a, a pastor. I don't remember who it was, but I was having a conversation with him years ago, uh, and we were talking about the significance of how the day start, uh, you know, from Genesis 1, that the day started at evening at sundown mm -hmm. and then and then ended sundown. And and uh, as I recall, the person I was talking with actually was Baptist. Uh, but at any rate, one of the things that he was saying from that is, that, that he gets out of that is that that means that when I start my day in the morning and I get up, 
the day is already half done. I'm not, I'm not saying, okay, how is this day going to go? Whatever. God's been working all night, uh, already and I'm getting up and now I'm just kind of joining in with what he's been doing already for the first half of the day. Um, and that that gives him a whole different perspective of yeah, how to go about it. I, I'm not starting something fresh. I'm joining something that's already in progress. And so that while that doesn't directly apply to the verses here, the, that book reminded me uh, of that point. And I remember thinking that that was very profound uh, at the time. And I, I still really like that perspective of it. I love that. I'm joining something already in progress. Mm-hmm. That also gives but, you... Maybe that's... Maybe that's the whole thing of like how Jesus would, you know, pray all night long. Yeah, maybe, that, I maybe don't that's, understand. Maybe that's um, where we accept his prayers for us, knowing right. that we can't do that. That's why he gave us a night so we can sleep. And maybe that's the faith part. Okay, I'm accepting that Jesus prayed for me throughout the night, so I don't have to do that. That's not the work I have to do. Mm-hmm. I have to wake up to join that part that what he's already done through the night waking up to a day already half gone mm-hmm. can remind us that that what we have is very important and to use our time wisely i mean if if we were just beginning the day we could and, and I, a lot of our students do this <laughs> they uh work all night and then they sleep during the day and can't make it to class. I shouldn't say a lot of our students, but some of our students. Some. I, I have a classic example of that this quarter. The poor guy's isolated and has no one around to talk to, and his schedule's just gotten completely flipped. And so he wasn't doing well. I was able to get him some help. To me, it just makes means that I'm only a piece of God's world and God's plan, and therefore, I should, I should t- take that with me through the day so that I use my time to the best advantage for him. I like verse 12. He made it so that you could take part in the inheritance in light granted to God's holy people. That's the inheritance, is the light granted to God's people. My version says, who has qualified you. Hmm. So instead of made it, (laughs) he has qualified you. Yeah. What version is that? The one that you go to life. Oh, that's the one based on the... NIV. NIV. Study Bible NIV. Yeah. Mine says he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. So enabled you to share. I like the word qualify, though. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if the Greek word means all of that. Made, made you to, enabled you to, and qualified you to. Yeah, I mean, qualified could mean one of two things. One could mean I've got a standard and I just check and say, okay, well, I'm sorry, you you missed out in this category, you can't come in. But there's an active version of that as well, in to, to make someone qualified to be mm-hmm. able to get in, uh, mm-hmm. to meet the standard. Um, God does not call the qualified, he qualifies mm-hmm. the called, right? That mm-hmm. truism. Well, it goes back to that whole thing of God doing the work for us and we get to join him. 
Mm-hmm. Also. Mm-hmm. He re- verse 13 talks about that. He rescued us from the control of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He set us free through the son and forgave our sins. Yeah, and that's all him doing that. Right. Yeah. Sorry, Katrina. I, what were you going to say? Um, I was just going to say that, you know, being a Christian is the most exciting life you could live. I tell that to my students, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Especially when you give your life to Christ when you're young, you know, you can just... Life is never boring. All of him, you do yes, that. yes. And he never disappoints. I mean, we might right. go through disappointments, but he holds us through it all and then promises the most wonderful... Uh, heaven at the end. It mm-hmm. couldn't be anything more wonderful than being a Christ follower. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if there wasn't the heaven at the end, just as far as the impact it has on this life, uh-huh. would make mm-hmm. it by far the better way to go. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I particularly liked out of this whole passage was when um, it, right at the beginning. When he actually, as far as the purpose for why he wants us to have the spiritual wisdom and understanding, was in order to be able to uh, lead a life worthy of the Lord, which oh, and fully pleasing to Him. And then he goes on to kind of explain what that is, saying it's bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And it's in, in one of the versions it talks about it as being the fruit of the Spirit to there. And I I wish that we as a denomination and as, as as Christianity in general, that we spent more time being concerned about, if we were going to concern about anything, be having the, the the fruit of the Spirit as opposed to the gifts of the Spirit, or, you know, it's not what we get, it's what we're able to use them to do, and the, the way, and it seems to be that it boils down to, ultimately, how we treat people. Mm-hmm. And that that I wish that we were more concerned about that and that how we interacted, that it always came from a, a, a position of love and, and truly wanting what's best for that person. And unfortunately, that so often isn't the case. You know, we get more dog, you know, more involved with one, trying to prove our particular view of one point of doctrine. And if that involves, to prove I'm right, if that involves destroying you, well, then you just got in my way. And that I think... Or worse yet, you're bad. (laughs) Yeah, that just, yeah. And and anybody who disagrees with me is evil, and you ascribe the worst possible uh, motivations uh, behind them. And that, you know, somehow we need to get back to people first, doctrine second, and that doesn't mean doctrine's not important, but if doctrine is being used as a weapon, that was not how it was ever intended to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we didn't get very far today, but it was a meaty passage. And I'm I'm reluctant to go forward because our time is pretty much gone. And I would like to be able to give the whole time to what is mm-hmm. next. Because that is that is a loaded passage and it has its own topic. Yeah. One thing I was going to say, though, is everything we've talked about as far as being directed by God and, and 
you know, the impressions that we get and learning all this. I say that now, like as a 48-year-old. <laughs> and it's like, man, I, I like, I wish, like, like having learned that younger or I don't know, I know or, or wishing that for my kids, but then realizing they have to go through this journey. They have to do it themselves. And um, it's wisdom only in hindsight, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, um, or it, it, will there ever be a time when they actually match together? Um, and I'm so grateful for that. I mean, I'm grateful for where I am at now. Um, but again, it's not something I can give to my kids. Um, I don't know, it's really interesting. This whole thing of wisdom and understanding and maturity as the person and our journeys. I guess it's just beautiful to see how gracious and God is to us and he just loves us through it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's patient. He's very patient. He's so amazing. You know, I guess that's why he says, may he be filled with joy and thanking the Father. Mm-hmm. You just keep doing that and trusting, believing, having faith, all of that. It's hard to explain the Christian walk I think sometimes because it's so personal. Um, and like you said, David, it's like about getting back to just loving each other mm-hmm. instead of feeling like you're right mm-hmm. or having to defend our rightness. Yeah. It's not about that. And I don't know how in the world I, we can't get the church back to where it needs to be. Well, has it ever been? Well, that's I know. As soon as I said that, I was like, well, back to what? <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't even know how God can get that trajectory of fault-finding and rightness and self-righteousness and, and all of that. I mean, you think of the Laodicean message, <laughs> but all God can do is spew this out of his mouth. If we're on that trajectory. And spewing us out of his mouth means we're no longer his witnesses. He no longer accepts us as telling anything about him that is reliable information. And that's when, to me, the Laodicean message ends so powerfully. I Look, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone opens the door, anyone Anyone, exactly. Not Laodicea, not Philadelphia, not uh, Sardis, not just if anyone opens the door. And it makes me wonder if God is going to do church in the future differently than he has in the past. That's a scary thought for me, having been raised in the dogma of the Adventist church going through to the end, you know. And then maybe it will in some form, but... The way God deals with church, or way the way God is God going to start using people who are willing, who are listening, who are not self righteous, who are humble? Is He going to start using them in amazing ways? And and in a way, this COVID virus has broken up church. It's not the same. Remember, I was a surprise when a a professor at Andrews in the seminary 
they just came out and said one day years ago, yeah, the whole structure of the church is going to have to collapse before God can really do the real work he's going to do just before he's coming. Who was that professor? I was just thinking of the same thing. I wasn't going to, although he was so public about it, he probably wouldn't mind, but nonetheless. Okay. I won't ask them. It makes sense because... Well, our structure has gotten in the way. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise that things have to... all, all you have to do is go into the theology department and look at the bulletin board with that massive document put out by the North American Division of all the things we're supposed to be ingrating in into our our pastors. It's just overwhelming. And I helped participate in making it. You know, it was... <laughs> uh, it's like, when are we going to let the Spirit breathe through us and take charge so that he can do his work in and through us. Well, why don't we have prayer now? Gracious Father, when we look at the life of Paul and see how much it backs his message, it makes us want to live that life, the life that he so carefully outlines for us, of doing your will, of of letting you work in us through your spirit, of uh, empowering us, of uh, imbuing us with your love. We pray that we may always keep our eyes open to know you better, to follow you more, but most of all, to recognize that you are the one uh, doing everything in a sense, and that we participate, we do make decisions, we have choice, we have freedom, but that you are always with us, to um, empower us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.